go ahead and open your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1. Um, following church services today, um, there will be a vacation Bible school um, volunteers meeting. And so if you would like to um, help out with that, uh, and we need you, okay? Um, we, we, we need some volunteers for vacation Bible school. And Brother Ellen will be leading the meetings um, shortly after um, the church service. And uh, uh, Ellen, Nicole, they've made some good plans for the VBS. And so really looking forward to that. And um, this morning, um, during the Sunday school hour, we launch off a new series with Brother Ellen teaching that on home builders. And so I'm related to family, parenting, family relationships. And he's, going, he's doing a unique view through the Ten Commandments and applying that to family life. And so if you think, oh, you know, I'm not married, I'm a widow, or um, I, I'm just not with anybody, there is still much application for you. Um, there's application to Ten Commandments for all of us. And But it's really good. It was really good this morning. And, uh, and just make yourself available to be here. Um, it's not going to do any good if people aren't here for it. And we had people here, but if you're not here for it, it won't be any good for you. But we really want to see individuals and families grow stronger in their relationships with one another and ultimately with um, the Lord. And um, one thing to be in prayer for um, this week, if you don't mind praying for us, um, I'll be um, being one of the leaders at the junior camp. Um, it's going to be in Mossy Rock, and there's also a teen camp that a couple of our teens are going to, and that one's going to be in Goldendale, so they have a little bit more of a drive. But I'm at the junior camp um, for second grade to sixth grade. It's just it's in Mossy Rock, and I got permission from them that if anybody from our church with um, that age children, second grade to sixth grade, if you just want to come check the camp out during the day or in the afternoon, evening, come for a chapel service, have your kids involved, come and play. They're more, they said they're more than welcome. They encourage you to come on out. That way you can see if maybe it's something you want to have your children come to next year. And so if they come during the meal time, it's only $3 for the meal. And um, there's a guest check-in when you come in. But I'd encourage you to come on out. Um, bring, bring your children by, even if it's just one day of the week. It's going to be Monday to Friday, but um, if you're only able to come one day or two days, come on out, be a good time, and I uh, you know the children are really looking forward to it. Um, Second Peter chapter 1, instead of being in the Gospel of John today, we're going to be doing some other scripture. Um, Second Peter chapter 1. To Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power have given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, 
giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lack of these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we have your word in printed form, that we're able to read it, um, that we don't have to wait um, for a prophet to come up and give some new revelation to us today and have to discern um, whether it's a true or false prophet in that regard. But rather, when we hear preachers today, we can look your already written word to know if they're speaking truth or not. And we just thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This portion of scripture that we just read, you know, be sure and read it again um, when you're at home or even as we're in this service, but it really teaches about how to grow in grace, how to grow in the Christian life, and how to add different virtues that that yes, you've had faith, you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, but that's not the end of the Christian life. Now that's where we receive eternal life. You know what? By God's grace and, and in faith through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and he, get, he gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, and so we receive Jesus as our Savior by faith. But as Peter exhorts us here, it's to grow in the faith, to add to these things, to add to your faith um, virtue. And it says, given all diligence, add to your faith. So it's not something that's always just going to be easy. But we're to give diligence to it. And we're to add virtue. We're to add knowledge. To add knowledge of the word of God. And to, to grow. And, and to add temperance. And temperance is the one I'm going to be teaching, preaching on today. But it also says patience. And you know what? There's the old joke. You know what? Um, don't pray for patience because then you'll go through trials to receive it. But um, the thing is, if you pray for patience, you know what? You'll be able to go through those trials um, a lot easier um, when you have the Lord on your side. But patience and godliness. You know, the Christian life ought to be characterized with godliness. You know, when people see our life, they ought to be able to see, wow, you know what, there's something different about that person. You know, and they may think, oh, I wonder if that person's religious. And you know, you may say, you know, it's not about being religious to me. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. But sometimes they'll see a distinct behavior in your attitude and how you talk and how you treat um, people and brotherly kindness we add to godliness brotherly kindness and the Bible says if these things be in you 
abound. So you've grown in these areas, and it ends up abounding in you that you won't be barren or unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then the Bible ta- tells us that if we lack these things, that we end up being blind, that we cannot see afar off and have forgotten that we've been purged from our old sins. Not that we've lost our salvation, but if we are not growing in Christ. Okay, typically, you're not going to be at a place where you just are stagnant in your Christian life. You're either going to be growing or you're going to be shrinking. You're going to be declining in your walk with the Lord. You know, a Christian life, as far as living for the Lord, it takes effort. And if we don't put effort into it, then we start sliding down. And that's where sometimes people end up doubting their salvation. It's not because they lost it. It's they haven't been living for Christ. They're declining in their spiritual walk with the Lord. And so doubt enters. You know, Satan maybe could put things in our mind where um, it causes us doubt. Um, and and we, we end up being like, you know what? I don't have that joy I once had. That's where David, the psalmist, after he said, and stuff, he says, he didn't say, restore unto me my salvation. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And one of the salvations of the Lord. You know, salvation's not of us. Salvation is of the Lord. But David understood that he had lost the joy of his salvation. And that's what happens when we're not growing in our faith. That we forget about how Christ has saved us, for, um, that he's purged us of our old sins. And so we're to give diligence to make our calling and election sure that if there's doubt, you know what, get assurance. Um, calling upon Christ is your Savior. And that so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, mine can't really even comprehend what it's going to be like when we enter that everlasting kingdom. And when we're in the kingdom of heaven, when we're in the kingdom of the Lord, and um, and our life will be completely transformed. Um, But we're going to talk about temperance today. What is temperance? Okay, you guys go ahead. You give me feedback. Anybody know what temperance is? Any children know? Probably a word you maybe don't know. Allison? Self-control. Okay? Okay, so um, self-control. The, the, the ability to control ourselves um, is, is one of the um, basic Christian values um, that we're to grow in. It's the mastery of self, the exercise of restraint, especially in enticing pleasures that may be sinful. Um, but even if it's not sinful, okay, food is not sinful, okay, eating food. If it was and we were to abstain from food forever, we'd all be dead. <laughs> it wouldn't last um, very long. But there may be times in periods of fasting where um, you abstain, or maybe you're on a diet, and you're abstaining from some of those pleasures. You're teaching yourself self-control, temperance, the mastery of self. 
self-control. In self-control, one refrains from sin, immorality, drunkenness, gossiping. You know, that takes restraint. You know, it can be easy for us to think, oh, you know what, have you heard about so-and-so? Have you heard that this happened? And then we end up being a gossip. And that's where we want to exercise self-control. Is this going to be helpful if I share this information? And you know what? There are some times where it can be helpful. Okay, you know what? You know a brother or a sister, um, they're falling away. And you know what? You've approached them. You've tried talking to them. But they're just not getting it. The Bible talks about bringing another brother, another sister, um, and going and talking to them in twos or threes. But the purpose is not to gossip and to slander the person, but to help the person. And there is a major difference between gossip and then when knowing you need to talk with someone to try and be a help. Take self-control to refrain from greed. Of always wanting more, of always just wanting the extra dollar at the expense of your family or your walk with the Lord. And there's nothing wrong again with money, okay? You know, it's all moral. It's the love of money that the Bible says is the root of all evil. That when we love money so much, we're willing to do anything evil to obtain it. You look at well, a lot of crime around the world. And a lot, lot of it is rooted in the love for money. But the Bible actually teaches principles of investing. You know what? Jesus commended the, the, the stewards that multiplied their ten talents, multiplied their five talents. And there was condemnation. There was chastening to the one that had one talent and buried it in the ground and did nothing with it. And so God is for investing. You know, the Bible talks about a godly man leaving an inheritance for his children's children. That means there's been savings up. That means there's been preparing for retirement and preparing to be a blessing to grandchildren. But it's one thing to invest and another thing where it becomes greed. You know, the Bible gives the other um, parable where the guy keeps on building his barn and um, building bigger barns and not spreading it. And he, he, there the Bible even says he's not selling it. He's not selling it to the others. It's just hoarding it to himself. The self-control is essential for success in the pursuit of really any worthy goal. We look at athletes, um, and they exercise self-control. The ones that don't, they usually don't do so well at their sport. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race, run all, but one receive of the prize. So run that ye may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate. In all things. And so he says, okay, a runner. They run. You know, there's going to be the Seattle to Portland bike ride next week on the weekend. So Saturday, Sunday, you know, we're going to be seeing bikes go by. And, and there's going to be a few that they're going to win the prize. Not everybody does. Not everybody's even trying to win the prize. Some of them are just trying to 
do it so they can do it. My wife wants to do it next year. So if anyone wants to go with her, you can. I'll watch the kids. <laughs> but it takes temperance. It takes self-control. People to watch their diet before they go on a bike ride all the way from Seattle to Portland. Someone that's going to run the race and strive for the mastery. It's going to take self-control. It's going to take exercise. It's going to take building um, muscles uh, to use muscles that maybe you're not used to using on a regular basis. Paul then asserted that he, like the athlete, constantly subdued his body for the Christian ministry. He goes, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. He says, I try to be spiritual. I'm not going to go after that corruptible crown on that bike ride. <laughs> okay? But we in incorruptible. I therefore so run. Not as uncertainly. Okay? When Paul's talking about running, he's not talking about, oh, I'm going to go over here. Oh, wait, do I go here? Oh, do I go over here? Oh, no. There's certainty. He knows where he's running. He knows where he's going. And in the Christian life, we ought to set goals and, and, and have plans and, and follow them to know where we're going, to know where we're lacking. You know, what are our weaknesses? You know, ask your spouse. They'll tell you. They'll let you know. Okay? But work on the weaknesses and the areas you are strong on. Continue to hone those and in the Christian life, the things that you maybe struggle with, you know what? Plan on being Lord. Help me to be temperate in these things. Help me to exercise restraint. He goes, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beat of the air. Okay, you think of a boxer or whatever. They don't just go, whoa, 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 whoa. No. There, 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 there's, there's, there's a purpose, there's a focus. And he goes, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That in the Christian life, there are things that we, sometimes we, we abstain from. Um, or there's things that we need to be involved in. But it takes self-control. Okay, to go on outreach, to go soul winning, it takes self-control. Go, okay, you know what? We are we're going to go. We're going to make this a priority. Um, teaching the Sunday school class. You know what? I am sure. Um, unless Allison's just super spiritual, but I'm sure there's some morning she wakes up and she just doesn't feel up to coming to teach. Maybe not as prepared as she wants to be on one Sunday. Um, or whatever it may be, or maybe just woke up in a bad mood. Okay, not probably not her, but just pretend we had someone else as a Sunday school teacher. Okay, okay, but take self-control. And you know, a lot of times, you know, when we exercise that temperance, okay, we're like, you know what, we know that's our responsibility, we know we're going to go do it. Oftentimes, once we get there, things get better. You know, then we're glad to be here. And now that may not happen all the time. You know, there may be times where you just come in and you're just drained out. That's why I like being a preacher, because it helps me wake up. Because then I'm the one yelling at you guys. Um, but if you guys are up here yelling at me, they'll probably wake me up too. Amen. But we see that Paul, 
talks about. He doesn't want to preach to others. He doesn't want to tell other people how to live the Christian life, how to walk with Christ. And when I say live the Christian life, okay, I don't mean it's just us following the list of do's and don'ts. Okay, I'm talking about having a relationship with Jesus, to walk um, with him, to know him, to know the power of his resurrection, the power he's able to give us in our life for victory over sin, to have liberty, to have freedom in Christ. But there's times we need to keep our body in subjection. You know, when teenagers are going to walk with the Lord and strive to keep their bodies pure for the Lord and for their future um, spouse, it's going to take restraint. It's going to take self-control. Even when the passions, the urges are to ignore everything that the Word of God teaches. There's going to be the lure in the battle of temptations. Go ahead and turn to James. James chapter 1. Verse 14. It says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust." And entice. Then when lust have conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Ephraim, you want to come up here? If I got candy in my pocket, do you want to come up here? Yeah, you would. Huh? If I had candy, I forgot to grab it. Okay? But, you know, a lot of times, you know, even a shyness. You know what? There's something to lure somebody. Something, uh, some pleasure and stuff to, uh, to go after. Now, similarly with sin, that we are tempted when we are drawn away with our own lust. Okay, so there's an outward temptation and an inward temptation. Okay, there may be an outward temptation where um, someone, okay, okay, if somebody says, hey, you know what, here, here, here's some illegal drugs, Jason. Here, you want to do it? Okay, outwardly, okay, at least where I'm at in my spiritual life right now, that is not going to be tempting to me. Okay, they maybe are tempting me, okay? They're, they're externally, they're tempting me. However, it's not really going to feel tempting to me. It's, it's not a struggle. It's not a battle I have. But pray for me so it never does become one. Okay, the Bible says, He that thinketh, he standeth, take heed. Consider in thyself, lest, lest you fall. Okay, so I'm not saying that, I'm trying not to say that in pride or arrogance. Because there will be other areas where I may be weakened. But however, with the same illustration, okay, say, say where I allowed myself spiritually, where I quit adding to these things. I quit adding knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness. You know, I could get to a place in my life where I am just utterly depressed. Turn to the bottle, turn to drugs, or whatever it may be. But we're allowing ourselves to be drawn away by our lust. And you may know what are the, those things that are sinful to you, those things that are sinful to the Lord that maybe draw you away 
but it's how temptations work. There's the inward temptations, the inward desires where, where we could be tempted with what we see. You know, where it be pornography or, um, or something else, and, and, and it draws us away. Maybe it's some of the romantic novels that really don't help stir up godly desires, but erotic desires for fantasies, imaginations. And so, so there could, we, we allow that to be drawn away of the, our own lust. And then it's enticed. Then when lust have conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And you know what? Sometimes someone may think, you know what? Okay, I could look. I just won't touch. I just won't do. No, we get enticed. And that's where Jesus says, if a man look upon the woman with lust in his heart, he committed adultery in his own heart. And stuff. And so lust have conceived and bring it forth sin. And sin brings death. That's why we need to learn temperance, self control. Proverbs 25 28 says, He that have no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. That if we don't master ourselves, if we don't rule, our own self. It's as if we're a city that's broken down without walls. Anything, everything is able to invade it. The temptation, oh, it flies at us quickly. Self-control, temperance, helps fortify the inner person. It builds a wall of defense against destructive forces of evil. You look at Samson's life who at times of his life was a godly man. But he allowed that temptation, first external and then internal, of lust, his sexual love for ungodly woman, decreed his doom. He lost his strength through lust. We see David reap tragic results from a moment of lack of self-control and sexual pleasures. Seeing Bathsheba bathing on the wall. He knew she was going to be there. You know, it wasn't like, at least I would, okay? You say it's my thing, but hey, it was routine. They take their baths up there on the house, but he most likely knew that she was going to be there. And it maybe did not happen overnight. But it happened in that moment that lust brought forth sin. And then it brought death through him having Uriah basically murdered. Brought death to his firstborn or to his son that was born through that relationship. And so the lack of self-control. And David's a man we see that was a man after God's own heart. A man that God cherished. The man that loved God. But yet we know him today because of that sin. Now that's not the only thing we know him of. We know of him of the many good things. But that sticks still. We see his repentance. 
We see him turning back to the Lord. We see, we see him truly confessing his sin and turning away um, from it. But that's all it takes in our walk with God. One moment of intemperance can bring a major blow to our life. A major blow to our testimony. See the owner of the Patriots. Couple of nights in Florida, basically shot his testimony. I'm not saying a Christian testimony or whatever. I don't know if he claims to be a Christian or not, but he lost credibility in a lot of people's eyes because of what he did—the moment pleasure. See in Proverbs seven, speaking to a young man, in verse twenty-two, it says, "He goeth after her straightway." Is an ox goeth to the slaughter, or is a fool to the correction of the stocks? Till a dark strike through his liver, is a bird hasteneth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. And so talking about a young man going after the strange woman that he just goes for, he goes for, and just as a bird just goes right in to a trap. Exercise temperance, the self-control, that when there are those lustful desires, whatever it may be, whatever lustful desires for whatever sin, that there's pleasure for, for a moment, for a season, it could really mean our life. It could mean where we really feel guilt. Now, Christ doesn't want us to live a life where we live in guilt. He wants us to live victorious, and he wants us to be able to overcome our past. And so don't be held in bondage to your past. But there are still times where as much as we try, it's a battle. And so it is best to not fall into the temptation than to have to really overcome it later. Self-control loss in a moment of impulse and passion. The cost of such lack of self-control is devastating. Paul was keenly aware in particular to the threat of sexual lust. Consequently, in writing to the church in the large, wicked city of Corinth, he gave specific instructions on this subject to even the unmarried and to the widows. He was quite aware of how difficult it was to exercise self-control. 1 Corinthians 7, 8 says, I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. Okay, Paul is saying, and you look at the rest of the context, he's saying in this present distress that was going on at the time, he says it would be better if people would be able to abide single like himself. You know, with Christians, they were being persecuted. You know, his spouses were being taken away. And so he says in the present distress, it would be better if they could abide even his son. But he goes, but if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. That burning passion, that burning of lust. Okay, now this doesn't mean just with, like when your 14-year-old goes, hey, I need to get married so I don't burn. Okay? Try to teach them, but you know we kind of have gotten to a point in culture where we really teach people—not us here, 
but society, he said, oh, no, wait till you're 30 to get married. Just enjoy life. Wait till you're 30. And then what happens? They end up being burned in their lust. And they end up, that lust brings forth sin. And that brings devastating things into their lives. Yes, there's a thing about, you know what, getting ready to be married. Okay? But you know what, it doesn't mean that, you know what, you wait till you have everything in order. You know, my wife and I, we had this. She $495 apartment when we got married. Not much. And it grew mold a lot in the winter. Okay? And so I think we were there for one winter, and that was it. We know that Paul says it's better to marry than to burn. So, and, so he, and so that's where God has given that the sexual relationship in marriage to be fulfilled in 1 Corinthians 7. It says that the bed is undefiled. The young churches were being planted in Corinth in the midst of paganism. Throughout the Roman Empire, they had a hard struggle against worldliness. Crete was one of the worst localities for liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. It's mentioned in Titus 1.12. And so Paul knew these young preachers going in to this kind of environment. He knew there would be challenges. And we see that he charged Titus to appoint bishops, overseers, with strong Christian qualities. It says, for a bishop in Titus 1 and verse 7, it's also in Timothy chapter 3. But it says, for a bishop must be blameless. It's the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry. Okay, there's a temperance. Okay, yes, there have been known diff different times in churches where pastors just are always angry. That ought not to be the case. Just heard about someone mentioning that, you know, a, a pastor mentioning um, something that was going on. And, um, and he kind of, in his anger, mentioned it from the pulpit. It's not a righteous thing to do. That is not a good thing to do. Now, there will be times where, you know what, preaching the word, you know, where it may be applicable to things. And, and there will be times where if I know someone is say they're going through a situation, say they just came to me for counsel, and I'm preaching on that subject. And it's happened where someone was struggling about to get a divorce, and, uh, and the next Sunday I was preaching on divorce and remarriage. So I let them know then ahead of time so they didn't think I was picking on them. But let them go, hey, you know what? Just one way you know, I'm preaching on this. We're preaching on this through Matthew. You know, I believe it would be good for you to be here. But don't think I'm using the pulpit to bully you. Now, the pulpit is to be used to preach the word. And there are times you see with Paul, you see with James, Peter, where they, John, they're, they're direct from the pulpit. Paul knows what the sins at Corinth are, and he declares them in writing, and I wouldn't doubt that he would do it in his preaching. And so there's times where, you know what, the church, the congregation, they need a message from the Word of God. We always need a message for the word, from the Word of God. But there's times where we need it in the manner of rebuke. You know what, the Scriptures are profitable for doctrine, but it's not just doctrine, but also for reproof for correction, and for rebuke. But a pastor ought to be able to preach that, whatever it may be, 
still with compassion, mercy. Now, he may still be firm, still dealing with the issue, dealing with the sin, but not out of a heart of anger. Now, there could be righteous anger, okay? But we ought not to let the sun set on our wrath. But not ought to be, the pulpit ought not to be a place just for a preacher to use as a bully or to know that he knows everybody's individual sins. And to be honest, I don't know all your sins are. You do. Maybe these, some of them you don't know. You know what the Bible says? The heart's desperately wicked. Who can know? And so may the word of God have an effect on you, and may the spirit of God work it in your life. But we see, he says, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, not having that greed. But a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, to have self-control. You know, there's qualifications of, of a deacon as well, and, and there's similar. And there's mentions even of a deacon's wife as well. We see Joseph, it was an example of self-restraint. Potiphar's wife had constantly tried to seduce Joseph. And Joseph responded, There is none greater in this house than I, neither have he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? See, Joseph's his, his mindset wasn't, you know what, I'm going to restrain myself because I don't want to lose my position at my job. His mind wasn't, I don't want to do this sin because I might get caught. His mindset was, I don't want to sin against my God. They'll help you be in the secret places, the places where no one in the community knows you and helps you still do right. Even when no one else will know. Owner, he probably thought no one would know. And then there ended up being security cameras. And that's where the Bible does say, be sure your sin will find you out. Joseph knew the seriousness of the sin. And so he exercised self-control. And he, he said, and it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her, stayed steadfast to lie by her, or to be with her. He didn't even want to be around her. He did not want that temptation to be there. At first, I, I, I kind of had to mind him, why was he even there alone? You know, he did not want to even be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. She accuses him of rape. She didn't get what she wanted. Then he ends up going to prison for it. And so, so, so often we may think, you know what, God, why are you allowing this to happen in my life? I'm innocent. I've been trying to walk with you, and yet trial after trial. You know what, Joseph ends up being vindicated. You know what, God lifts him up. 
And you know what? God used him in that prison cell. And whatever it is where you're at, whether it's a prison cell, in life, and not literally, but figuratively, God has you stuck somewhere. Have self-control and ask God, how could I bring you glory through this? Proverbs 16.32 says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rule of his spirit than he that take of his city. As someone that has self-control with their anger is stronger than somebody that could conquer somebody else. Now, it may be easy for you to go beat up some little kid. But why don't you control yourself? Master yourself. It could be easy for us to see the sin in our life. Look at the sin in your own heart. The sin in your own life. How you could improve your walk with the Lord. Begin with the heart and attitude. Jesus constantly taught in his teaching is with reference to murder, sexual lust, retaliation, hypocrisy, greed, and anxiety. Talks about those being the sins of the heart. That before someone commits murder, there was hatred in the heart. Before someone commits adultery, there was lust in the heart. Hypocrisy. You know, they draw nigh to him with their lips, but their heart was far from him. Have temperance with your words. Guard your words. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A full letter of all his mind. So anybody ever tells you, you know what, they're just being brash. They're just saying, oh, I'm just being blunt. I'm just, I'm just speaking my mind. Just tell him Proverbs 29, 11. Just say that. So, and then they'll go, what? Go look it up. And if they look it up, a full letter of all his mind. But a wise man keep of it in till afterwards. You know, there's times where we need to listen more before we speak. Proverbs 18.7 says, A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his sword. Galatians 5, 16 talks about being filled with the Spirit and that there ends up being fruit of the Spirit. And one of those is temperance. The fruit of the Spirit will manifest self-control. Don't feed the lust of the flesh. Kill it. Kill it right away. Don't even stir up the curiosity. Mortify. Make it your daily work. Be always at it while you live. Seize not a day from the work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. The ship that leaks is more easily emptied at the beginning than afterwards. If you just wait for your little boat to fill all the way up, it's going to be a lot more difficult to get things back in order. Frequent reckoning with ourselves will put sin up before it is rooted in the soul. You know, take times to learn self-control by prayer and fasting. Take a time to fast. You know, fast all day long. You know, some 
have some health issues where you do, you know, maybe you could fast one meal, or maybe it's, some, it's fasting from something besides. It could be as simple as, you know what, hey, you know what, you're going to fast, so you have a sweet tooth, you're going to fast from sweets. You're going to fast from candy. That you're going to learn to put your body into subjection, to have self-control. If you get your body under subjection, it helps your soul, it helps your spirit to learn self-control in your walk with the Lord. Jesus said, and because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. And there's times where we just need to fast in our life so we can learn self-control. Norm, are you doing the song of invitation today? Or is Clayton, are you doing the song on there? I'm sure you do a song on there. Um, well, just take some time this morning for prayer. Seeking the Lord. Maybe there's an area in your life that you know you struggle in. And ask God, Lord, I want to help and encourage you. I want to get self-control. And maybe I need to learn self-control in another area so I can get better at self-control in another area. Maybe it's big rocks in the jar, so to speak, first. Not trying to fill the jars first with sand, and then trying to pile the rocks in and not be able to get it in. But you put the big rocks in first, the main things that are a priority. You know what? The Lord ought to be a priority in our life. Walking with Him ought to be a priority. Put those rocks in the glass. And then the sand, the other things. You know what? The other things God's given us to enjoy in is going camping. You know what? And add those to the jar. But don't put all those things in first before you walk with God. Walk with the Lord first, and God will give you those things to enjoy. So we're all heads bowed, eyes closed. It's been time in prayer. And just want to ask you too. today, if heaven would be your home. You don't know if the Lord would be able to receive that you have eternal life. We don't know. We'd like to show you from the word of God how you can know. In a nutshell, okay, 1 Corinthians 15 speaks about how Jesus Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died wages of sin is death. The Bible talks about how death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. An eternal separation from God and a torment that die of 
about Christ, that's where we draw breath. But that Jesus died for us and that he was buried and that he rose again. That we believe. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That you put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we can receive eternal life. It's not based on our works. It's not based on how good you are. And we're honest. You know, before a holy, holy, holy God, there's filthy rags. We all have sin that no one else knows about. God knows. Just in a moment, ask the Lord to help you self-control. Thank you for being here this morning. I uh, hope it was a blessing just as much for you as it was uh, obviously for me. And uh, um, we want we invite you back next week, uh, not only for um, you know the preaching, but we're going to have a missionary with us here next week, Missionary Sam Sanderlin with the Wings of Eagles Ministry. Um, he's going to be here with us. And um, so be here for that right after... The morning service, there's going to be a potluck meet and greet luncheon with, uh, with the missionary. And uh, so bring a main dish to pass and enjoy some fellowship with Sam. He's going to have his wife and his kids here with him as well. And uh, make him feel welcome, as I know that you will. Um, the 10th, that is this upcoming Wednesday, there is no midweek service. Um, so um, be at home with your families, praying and, and worshiping God together. But um, I'm I'm going to be out of town. Pastor's going to be at camp with the youth. Um, so there will be no midweek service this Wednesday. The 20th from 2 to 5 p.m. is a youth activity. It's going to be the bigger and better youth activity. Um, I know I've been talking to some of the youth and hyping them up for that. They are looking forward to that. It's always been a great time every year that I've ever done a bigger and better. That is going to be on July 20th. Great time of fellowship. If you would like to be involved in that, we, um, if not, Nicole and I can just do it, but if you want to um, be one of the drivers that can take some of the groups around and go to the different houses, um, that would be great. Come either see myself or Nicole, and we'll get you signed up for that, and uh, you can take them around as they go to the houses. You don't really have to do anything, um, but if you want to get involved, I said that the last time when we did a youth activity, so you don't have to get involved. 
and then we had Jamie and Brooke, and they got very involved in that, and they had lots of fun um, being the drivers for some of the teams going around um, for, for the picture scavenger hunt. The 27th is the men's prayer breakfast, men's prayer breakfast at 9 a.m. So men, keep that in your calendars. That'll be um, 9 a.m. on the 27th. Coming up in August, uh, August 5th through the 8th, is going to be a vacation Bible school from 6 to 8.30. We're going to be having that meeting right after the morning service. I would just ask, if you aren't sure about VBS, but you still would like to learn, if you're still not sure 100% if you're going to be able to help out, if you've never helped out before, you know, anything. But if you have any inkling that you would like to help out with vacation Bible school, I would... I would encourage you to come to the meeting. It'll be very informative. I'll make it as fast as I possibly can. I'm hungry, trust me, just as much as you guys are, but I'd like to get this out there. And this meeting will be just the preliminary, get out here like what the structure is. And then as we get closer, I'll meet with just the volunteers about their specific area once we kind of know where everybody's gonna kind of be set, all right? Um, one last thing, on the 21st, after the, is it going to be during Sunday school pastor or after the morning service? Right after the morning service? So right after the morning service on the 21st is going to be the, the second quarter business meeting. So be in prayer for that. Um, if you are able to be here for that, please do. That'll be on the 21st. That is not in your bulletin this week, but we'll have it in there in the upcoming weeks. That was the Q2 business meeting. Well, again, I, I praise the Lord that you all were able to be here this morning. And thank you for coming here and worshiping with us. Let's go ahead and end in a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this time we've had to worship you today. And uh, we thank you for Pastor and his ability to bring the word to us. We ask that you can dismiss us now with your blessing. Let us have a great, uh, a great day worshiping you the rest of the day. Let us have a good meeting for Vacation Bible School. Let it be fruitful for you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.